Good morning, church. One person's excited to be here. That's awesome. Great. Hey, man, it's a good day. And we, we are excited about what we believe God wants to accomplish in and through Fusion City Church. And thank you all so much for, uh, for, for coming out and checking it out. I, I imagined last night as I was kind of thinking through that, that probably a lot of you would show up today uh, just out of mere morbid curiosity of what is church in a gym look like. And um, man, I don't know about you, but we're pretty excited about how it looks. We think it turned out really well. We've got some stuff we want to do. Yeah. And, and I'll clap with you, not because that, because that clap's not for me, but for the awesome, awesome, awesome volunteers that showed up last night. And I mean, some of them were here with us last night till 2 a.m. getting this set up. And, and so, man, just a huge, huge thank you to all of you who, who gave of yourselves last night to come out. Let's give them another. Yeah, we can do that again. All right, now you got to stop clapping because I only got 30 minutes. Um, so I, I was trying to think about, you know, first day, new location. Like, what do you talk about? And, and then I, I was just in my own personal study, and as I read and, and just kind of came across this passage in, in John 11, and I was listening to another pastor who taught a message on the same, the same passage that I was reading about. And it just uh, he presented it in a, in a way that I'd never heard before. And so I just want to kind of unpack that together today. So if you have your Bibles, you want to go ahead and find... Uh, the, the passage for that is going to be John chapter 11. That's where we'll be. We'll get there in a minute. Uh, but, but before we get there, just um, kind of in a way of setting up, um, I don't know about you, okay, but this, the social media thing is starting to kind of overwhelm me. I don't, I don't know if that's true for you, but it's definitely true for me. Like, I love Facebook. I, I was a late converter to Facebook. Like, I rode the MySpace train a little longer the most, like I was, I was belligerent. Like I'm not, like I already got MySpace. Why do I need Facebook? Like, why do I need it? Right. And, and so then like Twitter came out and I was on the, I was on the leading edge of that. I was, I was tweeting long before most of y'all knew what Twitter was. Like I, like I jumped on that one early, but I've decided that in my, my own personal social media life, Facebook and Twitter, that's as far as I'm going, bro. Like, that's, I'm not going any further. Like, I'm aware of Instagram. I have an account. I don't use it. Like, I'm, Google Plus, they're trying to be Facebook. They almost got there. Like, I mean, I, there's, and there's a bunch of others that I, don't, that I don't even know about because I've decided that personally, like, this is as far as I'm riding the technology train as it, as it pertains to social media. Now, now, some of you, as it pertains to technology, not specifically social media, but technology in general, you got off the train a long time ago. Right? Like, like you, you like to talk about the good old days when somebody wanted to get a hold of you, they had to page you. Right? Y'all remember pagers? Right? That was the first text message, young people. They, said they would send the numbers and you had to figure out what letter it meant. Like, you had to, right? Like, we had pagers. And, and some of you are like, pagers? Like, I remember when cords had cords. Like, I remember, like, the, the phone, it had a cord, right? I don't know if I said that right or not. Probably not. Now, like, I remember when phones had, like, you couldn't, we had the really long one. Like, you stretch it. Like, that was, that's how you got a portable phone. You bought 300 feet of cable. And if you want to talk on the phone in the bedroom, you carried the phone to the bedroom, cord and all. All right, close the door, cord ran through. It was all a jumbled mess hanging from the bottom of the phone. Some of y'all remember what I'm talking about. Like, like we, because that's how we do. And you might say, man, these, man, these young people, these young people, like they're so engulfed in their, their digital fantasy land. Man, I remember the good old days. Those wasn't the good old days. Those days were stressful. You couldn't get a hold of anybody. Like, you know, that, wasn't, that wasn't helpful, right? Like, and, so, and maybe you say, well, you know, Pastor Brian, um, I'm not really about the good old days. I'm about 
someday, right? Don't, don't we think like that? Like right now, things ain't that good, but man, there's going to come a day. Someday, things are going to be right. Someday, things are going to be great. Like, like when, when whatever happens down the road, then, then things are going to be good. Like I can't wait for someday to get here. For, for the dudes in the room, it's, it's probably like this. Like maybe you're, you're single and you're celibate and you are stressed out. And you're saying, someday, someday, I'm going to get married. I'm going to get to have sex. Like, I, I'm going to, someday, it's going to happen. And then, and then it does. Like, you get married, and probably the sex is great because like, you ain't never had it. Like, it's great. So any sex when you ain't had none is great. And, like, so it's, like, it's awesome, and you love it, and it's awesome. But, 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 then, but then, like, when you're married, you have to report, right? Like, you got to report. Like, you got to tell them where you are, who you're with, what time you're going there, what time you think you're going to be home, what time approximately, do you have any general idea what time you might actually make it back to the house? Like, do you know when you're married, like, they got to know where you are every single minute of every single day, of every single week, of month, of year. Like, they just got to know. And you sit around with your buddies, right? And this is what you say. Man, you remember the good old days when we were free as a bird? Like, we were celibate when we were free, man. Oh, the good old days. Isn't that, isn't that human nature? Isn't that what we do? We, we love to talk about the good old days and how things were, were simpler and better then. Or, or we get caught up in thinking about someday. Someday when? A long time down the road. Well, see, I think that's, that both of those are a very dangerous way for us to live. And I wanted to look at an account in Scripture. There's a story in John chapter 11 where, where a good friend of Jesus has died. If there was any like, kind of family outside of his own that Jesus was closer to than the rest during his earthly time, it was the family of, of Mary and Martha and their little brother, Lazarus. And in John chapter 11, we're picking up in the story where Lazarus has gotten sick and he died. And Jesus shows up four days later and he has this encounter with Martha that I want us to kind of jump into the middle, to, middle of and then figure out how we can apply some of the interaction that, that Martha has with Jesus to our own lives. So let's read this together. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. This is what it says. It says, now when Jesus came... He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And it's almost in some, some way, almost like, she, almost like she blames Jesus. Like if you'd have just been here a few days ago, in the good old days when Lazarus was still alive, like if, you, if you'd have just been here a few days earlier, things would be different. And then, but then she kind of has this, don't we, the week we kind of have this sometimes, we, we get angry at God. I don't, know, I don't know if you get angry at God. Sometimes I get angry with God. We have that kind of relationship. And like, I, I'll be angry, but then I have this, this glimmer, this moment, this, this kind of twinkle in time of, of hope and faith. And this is what she says. But, like, if you'd have been here earlier, he'd still be alive. But 
even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And and look where Martha's mind goes. Jesus just tells her, your brother's going to rise again. And look, look where she goes. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, well, I, I know. I mean, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. You, you, you see, this is, this is Martha's perspective. Lord, if you'd have been here a few days ago, then Lazarus wouldn't have died. And then Jesus says, well, he's going to rise. He's going to rise again. And she goes, well, I know someday he'll rise again. Like, I, I know. I know that someday he'll rise again. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, I, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And ask her this very pointed question. Do you believe it? And in other words, Martha says, yeah, I know that one day in the resurrection, someday when all things are together and all things are right, that, that he's going to, I get it, like he's going to rise again. Like then, like wait, wait sometime now from that I can't even think about. And then Jesus says, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection, and the life. You see, Martha's thinking in the future, and Jesus is talking about right now. See, our, our minds don't, don't work that way. Jesus challenges Martha to think in the, in the now, but, but we as humans, we don't, we don't typically think like that. Our minds, our minds develop everything that's great that's ever going to happen. Well, it takes a process. I mean, no, nothing good comes instantly. Like, if, if you want it, you've got to work for it. Everything comes as a result of a process. And let's be honest. Those Christians that, that think that God can do something right now, they kind of weird us out, don't they? Don't, don't, we get a little bit weirded out by those Christians. They're just, they're just crazy enough to think that God could do something right now. Well, they, whoa, whoa, buddy. Like, you're not God. You don't know what God will do right now. How dare you? presume upon God that he will do something right now. Like everything will work out in, in God's time. It's almost as if we as Christians, we have, to, we have to hedge our bets to make sure that God doesn't look bad. Not our job. Not, not our responsibility. It's his plan. I mean, Christians, we're, we're famous for this, right? One day, someday, in heaven, Everything will be great. We'll all be together, angels and wings and halos, right? Like one day, it's all going to be great when we get to heaven. But in the meantime, hang on, hold on, persevere, trudge through, press on, just get through it. And then one day, we'll all be in heaven and it'll be great. Don't we? Come on, let's be honest. We're, We're... for those of us that are Christians in the room, we, we're, we're famous for this, for, for putting all of our hope and faith and trust in what will happen someday when we serve a God that I believe wants to do things right now. And then the new age philosophy comes in. And what do they teach us? Live in the now. Seize the moment. 
Be who you want to be today. And then we as a church, we push back, oh, that new age philosophy junk. They stole it from us. They stole it from the Bible. We serve a now, a right now kind of God. Martha forgot who she was talking to, didn't she? Martha forgot. Now, she, she, didn't, she didn't forget that he was God. She recognized him, Lord. I, I know whatever you ask, God will do. Like, I know you, you are. You're him. You're the Messiah. You're Jesus. You're God, in a, you're God in a bod. Like, I know. She didn't forget that Jesus was God. She just forgot who God was. She concludes that in order for, for Jesus to do something incredible that, that he will need to, to prepare he needs to, to follow a process. Now, the Bible is really clear as it pertains to its description of how we are being prepared. That, 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 that everything that happens for us that is according to a plan and a purpose, that something may happen today that will prepare us for, for tomorrow or for next week or for next year or, or some point down the road. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we don't take the Bible's prescription to us of, of how we're being prepared and then superimpose that on a God who doesn't need to prepare for anything. You see, Jesus doesn't need today to get ready for tomorrow. He, he is God all by himself and in the flesh, able to do anything that he desired in this moment as he interacts with Martha. See, we tend to think that that God is a lot like us. We, we tend to, to put our human tendencies on to God. And Jesus, in this, in this moment, he uses one of the greatest names that's given to him in all of Scripture. And he says, I am. I am the resurrection. I, I don't need to go and get resurrection. I don't need to organize and prepare and plan for the resurrection like I Am the, the root of that, and we found in the Old Testament, it means to be. Jesus, I just am. I am resurrection. Essentially, what Jesus is telling Martha is, I don't need anything other than who I am, because who I am is all that I'll ever need to be God all by myself, and I'm all the God that you'll ever need, and I'm all the God that you'll ever need all the time. A few chapters earlier in, in, in John, in chapter 8, Jesus is having this what seems to become a regular frequent interaction with the scribes and the Pharisees. And he tells them, hey, you, you tear down this temple and I'll build it up again in three days. Now they think he's talking about a building because they were, they were a little slow, but he was talking about himself. And he said, you tear down this temple and I'll build it up again in three days. They're like, build a temple in three days? What are you talking about? Like, do you, I mean, do you think that you're greater than our forefather Abraham? The patriarch of the whole Jewish nation? Are you greater then Abraham, and Jesus tells him this, he goes, before Abraham was, I am. Wait, wait no, no, Lord, like, like, that's not how sentences work. Like, you can't, be, you can't be am before was. It was like, before Abraham was, I was. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I, I am. Like, I don't, I don't know, Jesus. Like, that's not, that's not a great sentence structure. Here's what Jesus is saying. I was what I have always been. I will be right now what I have always been, and I will forever be everything that I already am. Like, there is no is before the was and the am. Like, like I just am. That's horrible English. It's good preaching. Like, I am. I just am. That's, that's what he was telling the, the scribes and the Pharisees. And the point Jesus is making is God, God never 
was. God never will be. God always is. He just is. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. I don't have a point for you to write down today. and Okay, here's something you can fill in or write down. But I do have a verse that all of us need to memorize. We need to own this and know this. And and you might want to write this down so that you can memorize it later. We're going to put it on the screen. But here it is. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus doesn't need to get ready. Like, like, I think sometimes we kind of get this idea that heaven is kind of like uh, Santa's workshop, right? Like, oh, no, resurrection in 23 and a half years. Let's get ready, people. Let's move. Let's move. Like you got Gabriel and Michael with bullhorns barking out orders, and they got the headsets on or whatever, communicating with everybody. And like, we kind of get this picture of the angels are like little Santa's elves all frantic trying to get ready for the resurrection. Come on, everybody. People got to come up from the grave. Let's go. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. No. Y'all know what's going on in heaven right now? They're chilling. They're just chilling. They're just hanging out. You know what Jesus is doing? Sitting. He's sitting. Got his feet up. You know what, you know what he uses for an ottoman? Earth. <laughs> like it's, in, it's in the Bible. Like the earth is his footstool. Like, like Jesus is chilling. He's just hanging out. Because the God that we serve, there's never going to be more God, he's already everything that he always will be, and all that he is is everything. He doesn't have to get ready for the resurrection because he exists outside of time. So you have to understand, God will not increase when we get to to heaven. When we meet God in eternity and we're with him in heaven, God will not increase in, in his scope of being who he is. God is right now everything that he will always be and has always been. Now, when we get to heaven, more of God will be revealed to us as we grow in our faith and spiritual maturity. More of God is revealed to us. But God is right now all that he has ever been and ever will be. He's God all by himself. No, he didn't have to have anybody help him get started. When we left our encounter with Jesus and Martha, Jesus asked her a question. Do you believe it? This is her response, John 11, verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. And skip down to verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead men, said to, Lord, said to him, Lord, by this time, there's going to be an odor, for he's been dead for four Days. She said, you want it right now? Like, you you want to do this right now? And Jesus said, yeah, take, take away the stone. Jesus said, did I not tell you? Didn't, didn't I tell you? Like, you should have heard me because I told you. Like, did I, tell, did I not tell you? That if you believe, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this on, the, on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. 
Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So I'll pose the same question to us today that Jesus posed to Martha. Do we really believe that God could do something right now? Do we really believe it? Or is there some prayer that we stopped praying a while ago because we we either felt like God didn't care or he just wasn't going to answer it? Did we give up and say, well, those are the good old days. Just let it go. Maybe someday in the future God will do something great. Have Have we given up so much? It would say, well, I'll, just, I'll have to wait for some, some windfall, something great to happen. So let me ask you, what, what have you given up on? What have you said? It's, it's too late. It's never going to happen. Because in our time, in, in your time, it, it might feel like too late, but it may be right now that God wants to use your situation to display his power. Purpose. Do you believe that the God, the creator of all that we can see, the I am, the, the same yesterday, today, and forever, do you, do you believe that he could do something right now in your situation? I'd encourage you to, to, to write it down. Put a, I believe that God can, and then begin trusting him for that. But what, what have you given up on? What have you let go of thinking that God wasn't going to do anything? You see, when, when we begin to ask God for impossible things, it strengthens our faith. Because it, it demonstrates to us that when I, when I actually find the way to trust the God that I say that I believe in, when I find a way to trust him for the impossible, that I'm really believing that he can do it, that he is the God of the impossible. And what if he doesn't do it? What, what if God doesn't say yes to your prayer? What, he's glorified throughout the process because we continually come back to him, reminding ourselves of who he is and who we are. And so either, either God says yes and he answers the impossible prayer and he gets glory and you and all of your friends and everybody that you interact with have the opportunity to, to say, look what, look what my God did. Or if he says no, if he says no, then you spent a lifetime praying the prayer for the impossible, trusting that God could do it. And God gets glory from that because it's our recognition of his ability to do so. Do you see it? Even when God says no, our faith is strengthened because we have, the, we, we have the audacity to pray the impossible prayer. And we grow from that. And God is glorified through that. So here's my point. Let's, let's, just, be a, let's just be a family and a people that dares to pray the impossible prayer. Because it demonstrates that our faith is in a God that isn't limited by time or space or social media or technology or anything else. He's God all by himself. And he was the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same forever. Would you dare to pray the impossible prayers? The same thing that's true for us as individuals that 
that we should have a faith that dares to pray the impossible for the right now, for, for healing or restoration or redemption or whatever it is. That if we'll have the audacity, that the same way that we should have the audacity to pray those prayers as individuals, we should have the audacity to think that way as a church. As we planned to move into to this facility and, and do church in a while, my, my fear, just, just being honest, if I could be transparent, my, my fear was, oh, it's not going to be as good as it was in the old building, that Taj Mahal, that beautiful place that we used to do church. But then, then I went back even further and I said, yeah, but, but man, the, the same God that changed lives in the dozens and dozens and dozens of baptisms that we saw in that beautiful facility that we built, like God did the same thing. When we first started back in the, the middle school gym with a plastic tarp on the floor and crappy chairs that nobody wanted to sit in because they were cracking and pinch your butt. Like, like, we did church then, and God moved, and it was the same Jesus that changed lives then. And we moved to the, we moved to the, the Forest Park Elementary School, and we did portable church a little bit better. And it was great. And God changed lives, and, and we, we would like that we could have conversations about the, the camaraderie and the family and the unity that was created because we all had to get up together at 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning to come build church so that we could do it. Guess what? We're going to do it again. Then we moved to the Braswell building. With bare wires hanging from the ceiling, y'all didn't know because we didn't tell you. It was dangerous. You could have died coming to church. God loves you and protected you. You should praise him for that. We saw hundreds of people's lives changed in a, in a building that we didn't own. It used to be an old thrift store that smelled like dirt. I mean, it was, just, it was terrible, but we, we did church. And then we moved into the, to the old A&P grocery store, and we built this beautiful, magnificent building. And a lot of great things happened, and the same Jesus that changed lives in the gym of the, the middle school was the same Jesus that was changing lives inside of the old High Rock building. And it was It was awesome. And my fear that we would get to a place like this. He would say, oh, the good old days. When we had a building. We didn't have to get up so early. We didn't have to work real hard. I didn't have to bring a change of clothes. It didn't have a pool. I'm just saying. But the good old days, man, why? Oh, we miss it. Oh, church here in the Y is so hard. And I thought, well, and not only will we, could we possibly reminisce about the good old days and the old building, but we might say, well, hey, someday we'll get us another building, right? Like, let's, let's, let's start thinking about then and how beautiful it's going to be. Let's, let's draw up some plans and let's get ready for the, for the next chapter of Fusion City Church. And my fear was that we, much like Martha, would say, Lord, the good old days, oh, oh, God, it was It was good. It was good. And oh, God, someday, help it come soon. Let us, let, us, let us get into a new building, God, so we can, we can go back to doing church the way we're used to. My fear is that we would belittle, forget, and miss a God that wants to do something right now. Right now. In this place came to our family meeting, you heard me say, we don't, have any, we don't have any future plans. This is the plan. This is where God has 
led us. And we believe that the God who was the same yesterday, today, and forever is going to change, save, redeem, restore, and heal lives right here and right now. And I'm asking you as one of your pastors to believe with me, to trust with me, to invite your friends, to, to let what God is doing, not only in your life, but in the lives of so many, be, be on the front part of your lips always as you talk about what it is that God is doing. It's not, we don't want to be recognized as a, as a church other than the fact that we are the hands and feet of Jesus that's making an impact in the lives of people that, that those of us who call Fusion City Church home have the privilege of interacting with. That's what we want. So will you believe with me that we serve a God that can do something right now? And we, can, we believe that he can do stuff in, in the life of our church right now, but he can do something in your life right now. So I'm going to ask you, to, if you would, to, to bow with me and to close your eyes. And just in a moment of, of, of quiet and silence right now, Would you pray that audacious prayer? Would you dare to trust God enough to do the impossible? Would you trust him enough to pray that prayer that you quit praying six, eight months, a year, two years ago because you just didn't believe that God could do it or that he would? Would you have the faith and the trust to believe and trust in a God that can do something right now? the one who walked in here this morning without a relationship with your heavenly father I need you to hear me as as I work and, and, and try to be his mouthpiece God wants to do something fantastic in your life and he wants to do it right now and if that makes me some super weird Christian that just believes too much and trusts too much then that's who I am I believe that God wants to do something in your life right now. But it begins with a relationship. It begins with that first step of faith and trust that says, God, I believe. The same way that Jesus asked Martha, you would say, yes, Lord, I believe that you are Jesus, the son of God come to bring healing and redemption and salvation would you dare to pray that prayer this morning it doesn't matter what you say or even how you say it it just matters that you have a conversation with your heavenly father to say God I believe your son Jesus that he came to give life to give it to the full to save sinners to set captives free to bring hope and redemption God, I believe that he can do it right now. If that would be your prayer this morning, I'm just going to ask that you tell God in, the, in this moment. Maybe I'll help you with the words. The words don't matter. The belief matters. Would you tell God something like this? Father, I believe that you sent your son. I believe that he is the resurrection, the life. In the same way that he raised a dead man back to life. God, he can raise me from my sin, my death, and give me a new life.
because I believe it this morning, I'm willing to commit my life to you. To turn away from who I was. To embrace who it is that you'd have me to be. God, thank you for your son Jesus, for his death and his resurrection. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with us, please?